Marianne Haynes is joining us today from Canada. She's currently in her fourth year of her PhD in microbiology at the University of Calgary. She is a 2018 John Monash Scholar. Marianne, welcome to the Scholars Program. Hi, Justin. Thanks for having me. Okay, so Calgary, what was it that brought you there? Was it was it your PhD studies? Yeah, it was actually. Um, I was interested in contributing somehow and I found a, a good professor over here and I actually knew nothing about Calgary at all before I came. Had you ever had and you ever been to Canada? Had I been to Canada? Yes, I'd been to Canada before. I actually uh, did a school exchange program when I was 16. Oh, okay. So I had spent some time here and that was actually the first time I'd ever seen snow. <laughs> and can you believe that I said to my host family, I've never been to the snow before. And they looked at me like I was, you know, crazy like and said, yeah. yeah, you know, like the snow comes to you. Mm. Yeah, and you said, well, like in Australia, we might get it, you know, for three months, maybe in certain parts of the really coldest areas, but you guys get it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I just this last winter time, I woke up and there was about three feet of snow uh, that had just dumped overnight to the point where if you dropped your coffee, you'd never find it again. It would just be gone. So does that mean... When, you know, if you have to go, you know, into the office or to uni or the lab or wherever it is that you just can't get out of the house when the snow is that thick? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the main uh, the main reason why you wouldn't leave is because you don't want to be on the road with yeah. all the other people trying to be on the road. So, I mean, I remember learning that some days there are just snow days where people just don't <laughs> go to school because it's cancelled. Having a snow day today. Yeah. And so was that a hard decision for you when you were um, thinking about your PhD, about actually where to study? Presumably you looked um, all over the world for the best institution for you. Yeah. I mean, it actually worked out really nicely in the sense that when I was at La Trobe, my supervisor, professor there, had a, a connection to my current professor. And so um, I was able to find the group that way. And uh, it all worked out really nicely. The research was exactly where I wanted it to be. It was a combination of kind of pure academia and hands-on research. So I've actually had to do a lot of building of different reactors at different scales, you know, from one litre to 3,000 litres. So uh, I don't know how many people can say that they learnt a lot about plumbing in their PhD. <laughs> I, I have been known yes. to fix a sink <laughs> now. So can we go through what your PhD is about? What is it yeah. that you are? What is the problem you're trying to solve, and what what are you or what are you researching? Let's get into the details. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to tell anyone in this day and age that we've got a big issue with carbon dioxide in our atmosphere, and we need to do something about it. And so one of the research avenues uh, that multiple groups are pursuing is the idea that we can use uh, photosynthetic organisms which takes CO2 out of the atmosphere with sunlight energy. So it's a nice, um, I guess, free phenomenon that has happened naturally 
for about you know three billion years mm. to date. And so if we could harness that, we could hopefully try and offset or mitigate or draw down some of that CO2 from the atmosphere. Um, the challenge lies in scaling that technology in an economical mm. and an environmentally neutral or friendly way. Mm-hmm. So what we are trying to do in the group is convert a technology that we developed in the lab with a group of organisms and then scale it to an outdoor plant and trying to measure how that performs in this climate and whether we can then feasibly scale to a larger size. Okay. And how is how is that research coming along? Quite well. I mean, anyone in research will tell you that where you imagined going and where you actually go are two different places. So right now, I guess our largest success is the fact that we um, have launched a company so, you know, there's a, a four um, or a, a core group of researchers from our um, team that have kind of spun off this company. And then my research, as well as one of my colleagues, has helped kind of validate that scale up effort. So now we're trying to um, raise some funds. Oh, and okay. Build yeah, a, build a mm. facility. Yeah. Um, so all things being equal, when will you finish your PhD? Yeah, um, I asked myself that recently <laughs> as well. And how did you respond? So uh, um, with a little bit of fear, um, mm. trepidation, but determination. Yes. So I actually started uh, three years ago. Yeah. Um, and then I think I've got another another two years to go so the goal is to wrap it up by my 30th birthday and have a huge party fantastic well where will the party be though that's the thing oh i don't know yeah i don't know i was thinking maybe hawaii well it's not quite well is it halfway maybe maybe it's on the way it's not but i mean unless you build a floating pontoon there's no real half halfway (laughs) so how did you get interested in all of this, because it's you know it's you you would say it's a, it's it's not a traditional um, job that you are pursuing. No, not at all. Um, I co- totally fell into it in the most delightful way. In that, in high school, I never did any biology whatsoever. Okay. And then I left uh, and started a design course in industrial design. So the design of like kind of three dimensional objects. Yeah. Mm -hmm. at Monash University Uh, I got a year through that and I'm very grateful that I decided it wasn't the right trajectory for me yeah and so I I left Monash and then I went and became a personal trainer for a year or two there um yeah Yeah, I know yeah love it rather rather random Mm -hmm. and then I realized you know I like helping people but I I think need to help the planet Mm -hmm. so I then enrolled in a Bachelor of Bachelor of um, Veterinary yes. Biological Science at yes. the Trove University, mm-hmm. uh, which is good because it had a large range of different types of um, subjects for me. So within that degree, I took a microbiology course and up until then I didn't really ever think about microbiology. And Not a lot I of people do. 
No, I mean, we do today. You're doing it, we do we now. Do today. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I think it's just an incredible field and like all life sourced from microbes originally and is founded on the processes that they perform for us. And I got very interested in the environmental microbiology, which mm-hmm. I guess it gets um, doesn't get as much attention as medical microbiology, but I think it has huge potential and it does wonderful things for us. So, you know, all of our wastewater treatment is microbiology based and there are some fabulous um, up and coming new technologies around uh, harnessing the power of microbes and all that they can do yes. for us. Yeah. Um, and one of them, I hope, is the cultivation of algae and cyanobacteria. So I, uh, I switched from my veterinary based degree to yes. a pure um, biological science so I could major in microbiology and biochemistry and explore tiny things instead mm. and I've never looked back I just find it completely fascinating and and every done. week I'm listening to more podcasts on microbiology and buying more textbooks isn't so. that isn't that strange because you you've come out of come out of school you thought potentially you were heading down a creative design pathway. You've then pivoted into vet science, and now you're now you're doing something completely different. I mean, you never know, do you? You never know where your career is going to end up. Not at all. And I mean, a lot of what I've done prior to choosing microbiology has really helped me today. Okay, you know, the design work has really assisted me in. Um, thinking about how to design things in the lab Mm. and the creative aspect of that really helps in terms of coming up with interesting questions and interesting ways of answering them. So I wouldn't change anything to be honest in terms of my educational track. It's good good advice I think because I think a lot of people who might start off on a degree might not necessarily be the right fit and they think that, um, well, you know, this is not for me and, you know, I don't know, go, go somewhere else. But, you you know, you persevered and went back and you're, you've made it. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and it's just about exploring life, really. You have mm. to explore what's out there before you know what you're interested in. And I didn't, you know, hit the nail on the head in high school. Um, but that's okay. And is that because – so I was going to ask, were you were – you, you grew up in – regional victoria were were you a good student i like to think so yeah yeah i was a total nerd in the best possible way um yeah i mean it was i grew up with my my twin sister and so in that okay. regard i mean we always had sibling rivalry but yes I think it was really amplified being twins because we mm. tried to carve out our own identities yes um and we're still very close and you know, she's my best friend, but I think it really helped push us uh, in the beginning to kind of uh, work hard at school and see what we could achieve. So that was good, um, but I don't. I would never go back to living an hour away from the place I needed to be every day. So that was it. That's that can be the challenge. I think um, living regionally is the the commute. Mm. Obviously, there are other benefits, but uh, after I left home, I always lived five minutes from the place I needed to be. <laughs> well, that's all changed now because of, you know, 
what we've been through with the pandemic where, you know, people doing interstate travel for business meetings now, you just fire up a laptop and do it from your home office. Um, yeah. You know, people moving to regional parts of um, Australia and the world because of lifestyle and they can still mm-hmm. work now um, very yeah. effectively. Well, it's absolutely fabulous because, you know, not only have you got more flexibility in your daily life, but, you know, the carbon emissions saved from all that, you know, unnecessary travel that we were doing before. The stuff that we thought was necessary and was lovely, mm. you know, to jet set here and there for meetings and stuff. If you if you add up where we've got to go in the future, that kind of, uh, I guess, superfluous carbon spending uh it's something that we need to cut back on. So I'm glad that we've kind of been pushed in the deep end and had to learn how to use technology better to, to well, optimise our lives. I like seeing those photos from last year when basically the whole world was locked down and all of a sudden you could see the Himalayas from India and, you know, the dolphins were back in Venice <laughs> it was it was like the world was taking a big deep breath, wasn't it? Yeah, and I I sincerely hope that we we learn from it and we come out better. So you know, we're under the we're under a time crunch at the moment in terms of climate change. So uh, the but faster it, we can accelerate our awareness and change our behaviour, the better. Do you um do you have any observations as as an Australian? Um, living, studying uh, overseas on hmm. how well we're doing, I want to say we're Australia as a nation in tackling climate change? Well, I think everybody um, has improvements that can be made and I would encourage Australia to take a good hard look at what we're doing. Uh, it's a tricky one. I mean... In a way, it's been really good for me to come to Calgary because Calgary, Alberta is, I guess, one of the largest in Canada oil and gas producing provinces. Yes. And so the the dialogue is quite different because it comes from a place where, you know, a lot of people's livelihoods are based around fossil fuel industry. Mm-hmm. And so... It really shifted my perspective, I think, in terms of understanding how difficult it will be to move move away from that. Um, it also means there's lots of funding in energy research, which yes. has been helpful for us. Um, I better it is a good hard look at the reality of where we are and the amount of infrastructure and the amount or um, the portion of the economy that is built on fossil fuel consumption. So but is there is there a debate in Canada as there is here about the push for renewables, alternative energy supply, uh, new jobs in the green economy? Because here uh, often you're getting locked down into debates about coal jobs and mm. you need need fossil fuels for base load power. It seems as though it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of in a holding pattern where that we would love for 100% of energy to be from renewables. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, you'd be hard pressed, I think, to find somebody who didn't agree with that statement. 
um, as long as everyone's got a job. So, you know, we just, the foundation really moving forward here is transition to solar and wind mm. because they're the technologies that we've got ready to go, you know. Um, you know, maybe it's just that we need to build a lot and work out the details later because we're it's a work in progress. Time. So what was it, yeah. um, what was it that made you stick your hand up for applying for the scholarship? Um, because that's, you know, that's a big leap of faith and you're one of the lucky ones to, to get the tick. Um, yeah. talk, talk us through your thinking around that. Mm-hmm. Well, I was ready to, I was ready to ha- change up my life. I think after okay. I finished my study, um, at La Trobe and, I thought about what I wanted to contribute in the future and I realised that a PhD was something that was going to have to happen on the path to that. And really serendipitously, um, I got an email from Latrobe about different types of scholarships that I could apply for. And so it was lucky that I went along to that um, information session. And actually, I think I I get to be a part of that very information session coming up next Is that right? Full circle. Yes. Yeah. Um, But... Uh, I was listening to the presentation given by the foundation and thinking, oh, wow, okay, I tick this box, tick this box, tick this box, tick this box, box, okay, I could do this. And at the end of the presentation they said, and it's due in a week. <laughs> <laughs> and I had never even heard about the foundation prior to that. Mm. Uh, and I... I want, you know, sometimes you find out you've got to do something. And uh, so I put my head down and it was the same week my uh, my honours year thesis was due. Oh, I nightmare. remember having, yeah, I had nights that I was awake until four in the morning that week. And it's not something that I usually do because it's unsustainable. And yeah, yeah. I, I disagree with that mentality. But that was the week where I had to do it. And, um, yeah, so... I really went through a period of questioning my life at that point. Because that like, okay, sounds I've got to answer these. I've got to answer these questions, and I have to think about where I want to go and what I want to do. And I've always actually been quite good at um, good or bad. I don't know about thinking about what I should be doing and when. And uh, yeah, your ten plan. To, yeah, I managed to pull it <laughs> off. Um, and I was coming anyway, actually, to Canada to visit. Um, the lab that I wanted to be a part of here. Oh, okay. And yeah. um, it just so happened like I was flying out in the next five days. So I ended up submitting the thesis, the sorry, the submission on the side of the highway in a Tim Hortons, which is like one of the most famous coffee and donut shops in Canada um, because I needed Wi-Fi. So yeah. I just ran in and bought a coffee and, um, <laughs> Can I you know, did one. Wi-Fi, please? <laughs> Totally. And coffee is super cheap over here. So I think it was like, you know, 60 cents or something Mm. for my coffee. So I went in and quickly connected to the Wi-Fi and made sure I had all the the time conversions worked out really well and uh, submitted there. So So when when the movie of your life is being played out, there'll be a crucial donut scene. They will, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I probably got a donut as well. Um, let's say it was one with sprinkles on it. <laughs> and then, how long did it take before you you got the you got the yes, you got the good news? 
Oh, um, it was a it was a while. It was a very rigorous process. Yeah. Um. So that that was really good because um, you know, I think obviously when people get these type of amazing opportunities and scholarships, their immediate responses are hi, fool them all. <laughs> you know. Um, but I haven't figured me out yet. Yeah, exactly. Um, but having the rigor in the in the um, decision making process gave me, you know, uh, the confidence in myself. Yes. You know, yeah. That I'd been evaluated and I was up to scratch. So. So how did COVID get in the way of your studies? I'm interested to know because I've spoken to a lot of scholars who either had to fly home or had to do everything online or they're about to go and couldn't go. What's, what's mm. your story? Look, I've been very lucky. Um, and I was very lucky to be- get back to Canada from Australia. I think if that hadn't mm. happened, things would have been much different. I mean, my PhD is obviously very lab based. So I'm in and out of the lab um, all week. And then during the summertime, we have a really kind of rigorous um, growth campaign for our outdoor algae mm-hmm. and so getting back was really crucial to finishing off the PhD uh, it's it's been quite good I'm obviously working from home but I've had largely the ability to go into the lab it has kind of hampered us in terms of like additional help mm-hmm. so um, there's been probably a six-month setback in terms of now I'm doing a lot of the lab-based work that I could have been able to outsource previously. So um, at this stage in time, you know, the university is um, open back up for graduate students and so... Um, are there um, many other, it's many other um, Aussies up there studying or are there people, people from all, all over the world? All over the world, yeah. Mm. We have a really, really multicultural and diverse group, which is fabulous. I'd yeah. say more people are not from Canada than are from Canada okay. in our group. Um, but I'm the only Australian, so I, I remember getting here and people would just look at me like I was from another planet because like they literally couldn't what? understand what I was yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to like re. I, I, I mean, not relearn because I'd never learnt, but mm. you know, I had to learn how to end words with er rather yes. than ah yes yeah. father beer was the most important one so let me ask you this when you go into the lab on a day mm. what do you actually do yeah, i'm presuming you've got a white year. coat i do i do have yes. white coats yeah yes. and gloves and goggles and everything um so it depends on the day. Let's mm. say I'm growing algae. Okay. So I would go in and every morning I would take a sample of the algae and I would centrifuge it to work out how the density of the system has changed from day to day. Right. From that, we can gauge how well it's growing. Mm-hmm. And we'll take other daily measurements like the nutrient concentration of the system, Um yeah, and then the, a lot of it is also the analysis of all the data that we'll collect. So we have a lot of kind of online monitoring systems where we check the pH, um, we're checking um, what kind of dissolved content we have or the concentration of dissolved salts and things like that so we can work out uh, how much we're going to dilute the system or whether we're going to go and harvest algae that day. 
There's a lot of testing, retesting, checking. I imagine you're going to be pretty handy with a spreadsheet in Excel. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm very good at a spreadsheet these days. Yeah, so it's very enjoyable. I mean, it's funny because I grew up on a farm and then, yes. you know, 18-year-old me was like, I don't want to be a farmer. Yeah. Uh, I want to do all these other things that are completely, you know, separate to that. And now I'm just farming again but yeah. on a micro a different scale. scale. <laughs> yeah. Now, is it true, I've been told, that you enjoy triathlons? Yeah. What, I didn't what know I enjoyed them. Yes. I know, I know. I uh, had a conversation, actually, uh, with Holly Ransom from yes. Australia, and uh, she had done an Ironman. I did a little bit of research on her before I, we had a meeting, and uh, I thought, wow, a really long triathlon, an Ironman. Wow, I want to do that one day. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, one day, that's just going to get harder as I get older. So mm. one day should probably be soon. Soon, yes. Um, and I'm I obviously I really enjoy sport, and that's why I initially got into personal, personal training. training. Yeah, and I would encourage everyone to sign up for a sporting team when they move overseas because it was just the most wonderful way to meet people with mm. similar interests. Mm. Good and, idea. Uh, yep. Yeah, and then you could kind of uh, save your time by having social time and exercise time at the, the same time. And so, you know, are you, you're, you're a runner, you're on the bike, you're swimming. I mean, like triathlons, that, that is not for the faint of heart. No, yeah. I don't know whether I'm just escaping uh, research work because I'm like, oh, I'll just pick like the longest one. Um, yeah, just pick one. You're doing three. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I always grew up running because I would run around our, pro- our property, like our, okay. our paddocks back at yeah. home. And um, I thought, you know, most people can swim, bike or run. And so wouldn't it be a good skill to have all of those so when I meet people in the future, I can say, hey, do you do any of these things um, or are you interested in microbiology? And they, the chances are they might say they, you know, want to learn a bit about one or they go mm. for a casual ride. So it was my in to making friends, really. Right. It's your yeah. nerdy way of just thinking, right, I don't know anyone. How do I become friendly with them? I'm going to do it this way. Yeah, exactly. I like it. Well, I'll meet I like people it. immediately and think, oh, I want them to be my friend, but I yes. can't tell them that. Um, yes. So, so what's, so what's the end. longest one you've ever done? Because, um, you know, the extreme ones, I think, you know, end with a marathon and then there's like a, yeah. you know, the bike rides, 180 Ks or thereabouts in the swim, like I don't even know. So what, what's, the, what's the longest you've ever done and finished? I did that one, um, My which is a four four k swim, and then you nailed the rest of the other distances. Um, down in Florida in twenty nineteen, and then Stop when it. I finished, yeah. I know I I finished it, and I was like, oh man, I am never going to do that again, ever. Yeah, you know, uh, I couldn't walk for a couple of days very well, um, and then. Because through the triathlon club I joined, I met other people like me, which may have been good or bad thing. And uh, they said, hey, Marianne, uh, we're going to go down as a girl gang and do Ironman California in October. Are you in? And it literally took about 30 seconds to convince yeah. me. <laughs> oh. 
So got another one in six months. So training's going to ramp up soon and uh, hopefully I'm getting how long, how Wow. How long did that take you to finish? Um, my first one took 14 hours. And now I'm hoping to get it down to 12.30 now that I've learnt. Yeah, it's kind of silly. I remember doing a half marathon once. That's the longest I've ever run, which was 21.1 Ks. And that last yeah. 0.1, that last 100 metres, seemed to go forever. I don't think I could have done another metre. Yeah, well, it's a respectable distance. I was, and look, I'm I'm yeah. not running fast in this marathon. I'm yeah. gonna, it's not a it's not a fast pace, that's for sure. Fantastic. So, okay, so what's the plan? You're in you're in Canada. Um, talk about coming home, if at all. Like, what's um what's on the agenda? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I got two years to make my mind up. Hopefully, yeah. not longer than that. Um, it's going to really depend, I think, how well this um company scale up goes and whether yeah. they need help over there um and ultimately i'm just really enjoying this particular field and uh, so i might look at learning some more from somewhere else you know there's key kind of areas in the world where there's some really great pilot facilities um because mm-hmm. i'm reading their papers and thinking oh we should have done that yeah so <laughs> i think you're always learning yeah, and one of the best things I think you can do is uh, always work out what your question is first and always keep coming back to, is this still the question? Is this still the question? And then has anyone answered this question before? If so, let's go chat to them. Mm. So anyway, coming back, uh, you know, I haven't completely decided, but if there's a nice postdoc opportunity somewhere around in the algal cultivation field and might sniff that out, Um but I will be back to Australia, I think, in the next five or ten years, and I'd love to Watch jump in space. and see how things are going there. Yeah. Well, Marianne, it's been wonderful talking with you today uh, on the on the podcast. Um, we've loved catching up with you. Such an interesting field, and it's been absolutely terrific. So thank you so much, and good luck for the rest of your studies, and um, have fun in Canada. Thanks, Justin. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you.